Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MFP show here on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Stuart Crawford. It's been a while since I've been on, but uh, we're back. With me this week, I'm joined with by uh, Jeannie DeWitt and David Hood from uh, CPU, based in the Toledo, Ohio area. David and Jeannie run a successful managed service business there, but they're they're looking at making a change. And I think, uh, like lots of us, wondering, you know, what life's like after running a managed service business. So welcome, Jeannie. Welcome, David. Um, Thanks, Dirk. How, how, how are things going with your world these days up in northwestern Ohio? We're going really well. Um, you know, northwestern Ohio is, is pretty great, and uh, so is business, actually. I've heard that it's on a little bit of a rebound there over the last uh, the last several months. Uh, you know, with that part of you know, let me just kind of talk about the economy for a second. Is is that part of the you know, are you seeing an uptick in companies looking uh, to outsource technology services these days, or is it kind of you know status quo? You know, some like it and some don't. I would say there's a big uptick. Um, you know, we're up here, we're very connected to the auto industry and that has been very depressed for quite a long time. And I think people are starting to realize that technology is a way for them to be able to increase business without, um, having to unfortunately deal with some personnel issues and so forth. So they're getting more kind of bang for their buck with a, with a technology investment. So we're seeing quite an uptick, um, in this area from that standpoint and also because you know some of our business is basically nationwide we're seeing an uptick in that pretty much across the board all throughout the nation so you you ran you know tell us about the you know your your beginnings you ran you ran a uh, successful managed service business up in northwestern ohio but you know life has a funny way of throwing some curveballs every once in a while and you're looking at making uh, a little bit of a shift uh, tell us what the tell us what your beginnings though, and where you where you got started, and where you're at today, and you know, then we can get into what the future looks like. Okay, uh, David, you can we can kind of chime in and do this together. But um, so we started um, basically 32 and a half years ago. Which yes, there were computers back then. I always joke about that. I remember um, the I remember they used to take up whole rooms at one time. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, we started as a software developer is what we actually started at way back then. And we would develop, uh, oh, in things like uh, DBase and Clipper, right, David? Yeah, and Fox Pro, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all those different things. Because we, we knew that companies were looking for, you know, I mean, we had, we had the technology as far as computers were concerned, but what did you use them for? Yeah, there wasn't and, much um, software yeah. out there like there is now. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There was no Microsoft Word or Office or what was it back then? Word Perfect or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was Word Perfect. Yeah. 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 So, so we got started back then as a software developer again to to kind of create those line of business applications that businesses were looking for to be able to help automate them. There were no really accounting systems. There were there was nothing as far as you know line of business applications. So. Um, so we got started from that standpoint, and then we kind of realized that, you know, even though we had a great software package or we've written something really great for our company, if it was sitting on poor infrastructure, it did not work or function properly. So um, 
and there really weren't any hardware type businesses or networking businesses around at that point. So we went ahead and started getting into the networking infrastructure, all of that type of um, um, those types of systems and so forth. And um, that kind of started our MSP side of our business. So, you know, we developed the software. We would also then do the infrastructure and, and systems as far as the computers and networking is concerned for those businesses. And that helped us a lot because, you know, we had no finger pointing. If there was a problem, we knew that we could fix it because it was either software, or it was networking, and, you know, we would correct the issue. Whereas before that, you know, it was like it was finger pointing, and unfortunately, the customer was always stuck in the middle. So we didn't have that anymore. So that started the MSP side of our business, and yeah, and I remember, and then, uh, I, I remember back then, we before we before MSP was a thing, our techs used to remote into the computers and servers and manually write down, you know, gather up all the information about the the servers that the, of course all the software does today, you know, what the current hard drive space was and what the CPU utilization was. And we would do all that like once a week or once a month, depending on the customer and then gather it up and put it into a report and send it to the customer. So, I mean, that was, you know, before the automation days, but that's how we used to track the systems and know what was going on with them and look for trends and look for drive space that was going low and things like that. So that was obviously a long time ago, but I remember those days. Yeah, the days yeah, of PC Anywhere and WinVNC. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And that's I remember those go. days fondly, yes. Yeah, 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 there you go. And then we hand so wrote the information and put it into a spreadsheet yeah. and that's how we generated yeah, the report. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and then and then probably about, well, I think it was about, uh, what was it? Uh, server 2000, David? I yeah, that's when RDP 2000. came out. Yep. Yeah, so about 18 years ago, we, you know, we started to toy with the, you know, with the RDP side of of Microsoft Server and um, started to realize that businesses, we, even way back then, you know, wanted to be able to access some of their data remotely, mostly email and stuff like that, but they wanted to be able to start to access that data remotely. And, and so we started to create private clouds because there were no data centers and the 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 internet connections were okay but they weren't you know they weren't something that you could actually run a line of business application on but you could um you know and client server did not exist and all that kind of stuff so just some really basic applications that you know the business owner could go home and get their email again cell phones weren't out yet i mean none of this kind of stuff existed yet it's hard to believe but it really just didn't exist so you know to help them along that's what we started with and then so we've we've had this experience you know 18 and a half years of experience at this point with cloud technology even though we didn't have it up in public data centers um, we've just had that um, that experience and so we started utilizing that playing with it more and as we continued forward and data centers became, you know, more prevalent, not in the United States yet, because the very, actually the very first, when did, when did we do our first data center, David? I think it was back, what, maybe eight or nine years ago? Oh, no, it was longer, longer than that. It was like 2004, I think, 2005. Was when we went yeah. with England, over in England? It was in okay. England. Yep, that was the only one okay. that had data centers that we could access. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so we started putting uh, we started putting our customers' data up in uh, 
data centers way back then, but England was the only one that had it. And we dealt with what we have wanted to have MSPs today avoid. And that was poor customer service on our standpoint. We had a big time difference. So therefore we had to deal with, uh, you know, we're, we're down, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, customers having a problem and it's, you know, 10 o'clock at night over there and they could care less. And so our customers would suffer from that standpoint. And we, we knew we had to do something better. Um, but before we could make the decision to move off of um, that data center, uh, they just basically called us and said, we're not gonna do this anymore. You need to move your clients off of our data center. And they gave us 60 days to do so. So we scrambled over 60 days to move everybody in that data center of our clients over to now a US based um, data center. And um, that was quite, that was quite, uh, that was quite an ordeal on that, David. It was traumatic, but that, I mean, that's what really yeah. gave us the first idea that we really had to take control of it and do as much of it as we could ourselves. Obviously we can't build the, the 50 and $100 million data centers, but we can, uh, we can rent the space in those data centers and then put all of our own equipment and all of our own technology in there and have control of all of that except for the actual building itself. Uh, and it has, it has worked out much, much better. And, and there's a cost savings to that too because we don't have a, a party in between. But uh, yeah, it's been much, exactly. much better. Well, you know, let's so we talk, talk about all this nostalgia here. I mean, I remember 1999, I was working for a company that got acquired by Schlumberger and I went to a terminal server course, a Microsoft terminal server course. Uh -huh. And I came back with the idea of putting, let's put one of our, let's we should put our applications in on terminal server and rent it out to our clients that way, instead of installing all this software. Yeah. That was 1999. And, and that was, that, that, that failed miserably because the bandwidth wasn't there at that time. Yeah, that, yeah. that was the problem. Yeah. That's what she's talking. RDP is what, right. What terminal services used to be before they changed yeah. their name. But that, but that's exactly what we did. The, the main advantage yeah. that we sold it as was that was as like all the people didn't need all these heavy computers that were causing all the problems. We were putting thin clients everywhere, just little basic, you know, computers that just had enough knowledge to connect up to the network. And then all the data and everything was stored somewhere else. They liked that. And uh, you only had to install an application once for, you know, 50 users. When Adobe Acrobat came out with an update, you didn't have to install an update 50 times because back then it was manual. You just installed it once on the terminal server and everybody got the update. So they loved yep. it from that standpoint. And then, you know, then I started, then I started my own hosting company back in 2003 with a friend of mine. Uh, we had, uh, get this guys, NT or Exchange 5.5 uh, <laughs> over cloud. Yeah. Talk about painful. That was painful. Yeah. And we did, and we did a little bit of cloud stuff on, uh, I think it was, I think 2000 server was out at that time too. But then some yep. uh, little storm by the name of Hurricane One came through. Uh, and ended that hosting company dream pretty quick. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, so, so, you know, this is a great trip down memory lane. We got, you know, so you guys built the uh, CPU into, you know, good MSP up in Toledo uh, area. But now you're, you know, now you're looking at, you know, taking the next step of your life, uh, guys, and, you know, moving more toward taking all the great knowledge that you have from your MSP and, and your cloud knowledge too. Tell us what you guys are doing now with, uh, with, you know, with your cloud services and looking for, uh, you know, looking to expand that part of your business. 
Yeah, and we're really trying to, just what Jeannie said, we're trying to help. Uh, what we're finding is that there's a lot of other MSP companies out there all over the country and, and the world that are either dealing with the same kind of stuff that we dealt with, with the bad service and uh, can't get a hold of people or can't understand, you know, what they're, what they're saying because there's a language barrier there or something. Uh, and just trying to, to get them through that without having them go through the, the pain and suffering that we went through. Um, you know, we're, we're focused. Uh, we've, we've talked about it before. It, it's all about customer service and, and, uh, well, really all about customer service at this point, right? We all have the same technology. Uh, Microsoft Azure, Amazon Web Services, and us are all in the same data centers using the exact same virtual machines and, and storage technologies. Um, but the difference is, is that we've got people that you can actually talk to and get a hold of and troubleshoot with and, and uh, work with to, to come up with solutions for customer problems. And it just gives them what we didn't have when we were doing it all on our own, which was, you know, someone else, else with knowledge and expertise that they can lean on and get up and doing it much more quickly for their customers and not have to go through all this pain and suffering that we went through. And that's really where we're at with it. We're really trying to focus on, on helping partners get to the same level of us without going through that pain. So MFPs are flocking to the cloud or they're, 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 they're saying they're cloud services uh, companies. Some, some of them are, you know, looking at building their own data inf center infrastructure, kind of like what you guys did. Some are, you know, connecting with other uh, companies that offer either desktop as a service or infrastructure as a service. And I know you probably mentioned this, uh, Jeannie or David, you know, I'll let, I mean, maybe I'll let Jeannie chime in, chime in first. Why would why would an MSP want to partner with CPU versus, let's say, a Microsoft Azure or or something not maybe something not as big as, as those guys? They, you know, what what's the advantage to working with CPU? Again, it's really pretty much comes down to um, customer service, and what I mean by that is that we, you know, when when you call into a Microsoft Azure, you call into a rack space. I mean, they don't know who you are, and they're going to put you in a level one support, and you're going to spend time. I mean, I think we've all, you know, as, as people listen to this and as partners listen to this, they're they're all going to go, oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, you get put into that level one support, and you've got to talk to that person until they have exhausted everything that they can possibly think of, even though you as a technician know what you're doing and you're up in a level three support. Well, we don't do that. We know who you are. We know who the partner is and we know what they're doing. We know what they need. And so we can answer their questions without going through that rigmarole of they don't know who you are or what your expertise is. And, you know, we can pretty much answer their questions. I mean, the number one thing I think that we all can agree on is that our customers are our top priority. And the worst thing that you can do as an MSP is have your customer's data up in a data center somewhere and something's not right and you're trying to contact the cloud provider, only the cloud provider doesn't really care who your customer is. And so you sit on the phone and you keep trying to get a hold of them. You keep trying to get that, that cloud server back up and running. And again, they don't care, but you have to answer back to your customer as the MSP and say why they still can't access their data. So really for us, that's 
why, you know, we are here to help the partner, why you would want to, you know, partner with us over one of those big cloud providers that, again, you're just, you know, they, they basically want your credit card number before they even ask for your name. And David, you've, you've, uh, you've heard some horror stories in, uh, in your, in your travels on the cloud. Um, is there any particular, uh, you know, story that you can share without, uh, you know, you know, without naming names, you know, <laughs> without naming names that, you know, of, you know, of example, of, you know, how some people have come over to you from other, uh, either cloud providers or even trying to do it themselves. Yeah, we, we just had one uh, fairly recently, um, and it, it happens. This isn't the first time it, it's happened, but uh, and again, we won't name names, but I would call this one of those mid-tier uh, providers. So it wasn't an Azure and it wasn't an Amazon Web Services, um, So, but it was one of these, uh, you know, kind of pop-up. I, I don't know how long they've been in business, but... Uh, they they kind of popped up as a desktop as a service cloud provider supposedly really for MSPs and they had a partner program and you could you know put your customers data up there and everything was was great um, but uh, the partner that that ended up coming over to us had terrible problems uh, even just getting everything to work properly uh, he told us that they spent like three months trying to get a printer issue resolved just a, a simple printing issue or what, what seemed to be a, a, a print a simple printing issue which is kind of unheard of that that shouldn't happen um, and they they never did resolve that issue um, and what ended up happening is I guess the customer got frustrated enough and uh, the vendor got frustrated enough that they just took that the, those servers and that business away from that MSP and gave it to another MSP, uh, pretty much, you know, no authorization or anything required. They just basically took that that customer and that information away from from the MSP and gave it to someone else, and uh, the MSP was just left with nothing. And he had spent all of the the time uh, and effort, you know, trying to get this customer and cultivate them and get them into the cloud and resolve these issues, and of course ended up with with nothing. And uh, it was a, it was just a disaster for them. And you know, on the surface, this partner said that the company seemed great. The you know seemed seemed really fine until they signed up and started getting into the detail. And then all this stuff happened, and that's where they ended up. So uh, it it can be a real real nasty experience if you don't pick the right partner. So, what are some tips that you can share with uh, potential partners? Um, for you know, for them to pick the right cloud provider, no, it could be MSPs or it could be a CPA firm that works with lots of uh, small businesses looking at, um, you know, making recommendations like this. You know, what are what are your top three suggestions when when sourcing out a cloud service company? Uh, the, the you know, to put all your client information in. Well, I, you know, the, the, the first one I think is, is just to really um, do your research, look, look at the testimonials, look at the, the uh, information that the, the partner has on other, uh, other companies that they're working with. I know, uh, you know, a lot of companies say that they're MSP focused, but I, there are very few that I know of 
that were actually MSPs, and that's one of our differentiators, right? We we are still an MSP. We we do some here in the local area, but uh, you know we we've we've been there. We've we've been an MSP. We were an MSP for a long time. We understand the client relationship. We understand all of that, and I, I, a lot of these companies just don't. So to me, I would look for a partner that had already, you know, it was was similar to me that was dealing with the same kind of things we are dealing with. Um, and, and then again, just the, the testimonials and things like that. So that's two. I'm trying to think of a third. Jeannie, do you have a third? I think you want to make sure that you, um, you know, like for example, we have uh, five data centers throughout the United States. So, you know, we have- That's a good uh, one. Someone only have one or two. Right, so we have load balancing capabilities throughout the United States, so you know we can replicate data, you know, east coast to west coast, uh, um, you know, in case they're, you know, in case California falls off in the ocean or something like that, we've got your data in multiple centers. But and also for um, what geo tracking from that geo tracking, right, David? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you know we can we can you know if we've got. If we, you know, we've got a partner that has customers in on the West Coast or on the East Coast, we can get a data center that's normally very close to their to their client. So, and that can help with uh, if they don't have great bandwidth and so forth, you know, to access our data. So, I would say David is correct. Do your research. You know, make sure that they have the capabilities that you're looking for, the security that you're looking for. You know, our data centers are. You know, we have all the biometric uh, security. We have all the redundancies that are needed. I mean, all those types of things you want to make sure because you know today, Stuart, you know that the somebody can start up a cloud in their garage if they wanted to. I mean, you'd never know. So you want to make sure you do a lot of research and make sure they really are who they say they are. And, and, and knowing all this great stuff, guys, and, you know, and, you know, your past and you know, I've known you guys for a number of years now, you know, why at this stage in your career are you looking at uh, building a business based on partners versus, you know, trying to do this all yourself? Well, I think part of it, at least it started out, um, you know, we were talking before about this area and, um, how it's so tied to the auto industry. And, and right now the auto industry is doing well, but it definitely fluctuates. But many years ago, it wasn't doing so well. So for, for us, the original original reason was it was a growth path, uh, pretty pure and simple. I mean, it allowed, instead of an MSP having to only deal with customers that are in their immediate area, you know, two, three, what, four hours away, whatever you can roll a truck on, um, we all of a sudden opened up our our business to you know the entire country um, obviously a lot more opportunities and a lot more opportunity for growth so uh, i think that that started it for us and then it was really just kind of a almost an, an osmosis kind of thing as we started to talk to find out that other partners were were dealing with these issues and had tried some of these other so-called cloud vendors and having all these problems and we were like well we can offer that to other clients. What's what's the difference? You know, to us, a, a customer is a customer. It doesn't matter what, really whether they're a an end customer or a partner. Uh, obviously, the tech support is different, but the, the, all of the um, backside technology is all the same. Um, and so we really just felt that it was a great way to uh, grow and and 
make the company, uh, you know, different. We, we feel cloud is obviously where everything is going anyway. Um, and it allows us to, to keep that growth going. And again, I think help other partners. We, we have quite a few partners who I'd say are, you know, young MSP companies that have only been in business, you know, two years, five years, uh, and, and their level of knowledge just isn't the same. And they, they rely on us and they use us, uh, to, to kind of fill in that information gap. And, and we have no problem with that. So, um, you know, what I was thinking about here on this is, you know, I, I would think guys, you know, how do you answer this question? You know, you're a small, smaller company. I won't say a small company, but a smaller company compared to the big guys. Yep. How, do you, how do you deal with, well, how do you deal with the, uh, the risk of somebody saying, you know, you're a small company. What you know? What happens if you're here today, gone tomorrow? What happens to all my stuff? Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, to, to us, like like you said, there there's a risk no matter who. I mean, we we were talking about that uh, partner who lost the, his uh, customer and his data to to someone else. That you know that vendor didn't go out of business, but they just took the business away. So there's always some risk there. You don't you don't always know and. Microsoft isn't going to go out of business tomorrow, but more of the bigger guys, they can change their focus. And I think that's more of the, the risk factor with those types of companies than anything else. Uh, you know, we, we talked about early on the company that we were dealing with out of England. You know, they just decided they weren't going to do this anymore. They weren't making enough money at it or whatever their reasoning was, and they just decided to stop. Um, that's just as much of a risk as a company, you know, who, who is, isn't going out of business, but has decided to shift their focus slightly and doesn't really match to what you're doing anymore. We're, we're not that. We're, we're definitely focused on this single path, which is we're going to help MSPs bring their clients into the cloud. Um, and, you know, again, I guess we're a little different. We're not a huge number. They, the, the, these virtual machines and that data, they have full control over. Um, we didn't, we haven't mentioned this, but while we all use the same technology, we do things a little differently. We don't front end our systems with a bunch of portals and, and things that, that mask what the, uh, what the partners can do. They have full administrative access to all of their servers. They can log into them just as if they were local on-premise servers with their admin passwords. Uh, we don't even have access to the machines unless the partners grant us that access. Um, so they can, you know, at any time they wanted to, they can take those virtual machines and, and make clones of them and copy them and move them somewhere else. And, and we wouldn't even uh, necessarily know unless they told us. So we don't own the data. We just are running the resources that that data and those machines are on. They're industry standard virtual machines that they could could copy to anybody else anytime they wanted to. Uh, and, and again, there's no no weird front end on there that that's hiding something from them. So uh, we we don't feel we're nearly as much of a risk as even again some of the bigger guys because we're not going to shift our focus. And uh, you know, one of the things I also admire, and I think this might be an added plus as well, is that. Companies get to work with you and Jeannie, David. That's you know, that's key. You know, you and I have had numerous conversations about that. There's some stock in dealing with the business owner. Yes, you're right. There you and go. We, we, that's we, very yes, true. we try to exactly. We don't have a bunch of 
you know, technical, the technical people certainly get involved as, as needed, but you're, but you're right as far as the client relationship, especially with the partners, again, because Jeannie and I have been doing this so long, we're the ones that interact with the partners and talk to them. They can call us directly and, and have conversations with us. Yes, that's, uh, we, we, we do that on purpose because we know that while we have a lot of great people on our team, we're the ones with the most amount of years and, and knowledge in doing this. So how do you answer the question around scalability then? Because I know I know there's probably some companies out there say, well, you can't really scale that if you if you know you and Jeannie are uh, you know the the people that we have everybody has to deal with. How do you address that concern that people may have around uh, scalability? And I think I know the answer because you and I have spoken about it. Yeah, I think all I, the, you know, is it the right the answer? The resources are in the back end that people don't normally get to see. Yeah, that th th there's two you know, pieces of scalability, if, if you're talking about, again, the resources that are uh, required as far as, uh, you know, systems, uh, virtual machines and things like that. Yeah, those, those numbers are so outrageous that, you know, nobody's ever going to hit them. I mean, we have uh, data centers that have 48 petabytes of, uh, of data uh, storage capability and, you know, hundreds and hundreds of uh, terabytes of RAM and uh, I don't know how you know 5,000 virtual CPUs per per rack. I mean, we just the, the numbers are staggering to a point where if we ever got there, it would be probably shocking. Um, the other piece of the scalability for us is again, we're not trying to be and we don't want to become a Microsoft, an Amazon Web Services, or even some of these other. You know, mid-tier type of companies that want tens and tens and thousands of, of customers. That That's not where we're at. We want the smaller group of, of customers, again, just what Jeannie said, so that we can know who they are when they call. We can look them up in our, our database and, and have a relationship with them and not just them be a number. If you scale it too big, uh, you get you, you turn us into a Microsoft or, or an Amazon Web Services, and we don't believe that's what partners want. So we're, we're never going to scale it to that level on purpose. Uh, and so having just Jeannie and I talking to the partners and the, the people involved, we don't think is an issue because we're never going to have, you know, 10,000 of them where we're going to lose track of who they are. And Jeannie, anything that you would like to add to what David mentioned? I think I think one of the other things that um, that he didn't say is that you know we we try you know w when working with partners um, it's not as much of an issue when working with CPAs because we do um, we do host Microsoft Dynamics in several different ways as far as you know um, SaaS servers versus um, their own server and so forth. So when talking to CPAs and so forth, it's, it, they're not as technical, um, but we always have, whether it be David or myself or an account manager, we always have that account manager um, talking to that particular customer. And if we need to get a technician involved, we'll get a technician involved. So they always know who that person is, what it is they're doing. They always know the background behind it and they can always talk on a uh, English level 
when I say English level, because, you know, some technicians, they just talk that tech speak, which is very, can be very difficult for some customers to understand. I mean, even if it's an MSP, it could be the office manager that's calling in or something on behalf of another technician and so forth. So we always have that, you know, non-geek speak type, um, you know, entry into what it is we can do to help them. And then we pull in the technicians that are needed um, to be able to handle that particular issue. So I think we always have that very personable approach to any type of issue uh, that we're bringing on. It doesn't matter when you call, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, we always have that type of approach, which again, gives you that personable um, feeling that you know we know exactly who you are and we know your technical expertise and so we know not to hand you to somebody that, you know, that is an entry level technician to help you. We know to hand you up to our one of our big systems engineers because we know that you know you've already troubleshot to that level and you need somebody that's, you know, way up in the system engineer type position. And you know, one thing we haven't mentioned yet is what can people put on your cloud? Like uh, we've talked about a little bit of desktop as a service. We talked about a number of things, but you know, you talked about Great Plains and the and the vision and all that. But what can what can people put in the CPU cloud? Uh, really, anything. That's kind of the beauty of it. Again, that and that's one of the reasons we don't front end it with any kind of of portals and things. We we have clients that have had uh, you know applications that are even older applications that are running on a, a physical server, some line of business application that uh, as long as it's running on a, on a Windows server now, that can be replicated up to the cloud and, and, and moved and it doesn't know any different than it's not running on that physical server anymore. So the answer is just about anything. We've literally, I think, run into maybe two or three applications that we could not get to run uh, in the cloud environment. Um, and it's just it's it's becoming less and uh, more rare and rare uh, uh, just because of, uh, of applications. But we've got clients that are running, you know, server 2003 still, um, but they've got an app, but it's in the cloud because that application that's all it can run on, and they they have to have that line of business application. But at least they have access to it all the time from anywhere. Uh, it's always up and running. They don't have to worry about hardware failing. Um, so it's. Uh, there, there's really not much anymore that can't be run. We, we again, that's one of our kind of niches. A, a, a partner can come to us and say, you know, we've got this kind of strange application that's running on this server now. Do we think it's going to run? Uh, we can try it. We can test it. We can, you know, make sure it's running. We can do a lot of adjustments. We've we've done so many applications over the years that even the vendors of those software applications would say, no, that's not going to run on a on a server environment, you know, in the cloud on remote desktop or terminal services. And we're like, uh, no, nah, I think we can get it to run it. And we've done it many times where it runs just fine. So there's all kinds of tricks and tips when you've been doing it this long that you can make those even though some of those older applications work. So the answer is really almost everything. And yeah, I think the what they're going to get from we, you guys too as well is that you guys are going to actually see, see it and make sure it works. Sorry, G, go ahead. Exactly. No, I was also going to mention just some of the um, the terminology that 
others have probably heard, and that is, you know, desktop as a service. We can do VoIP cloud. We have a, a cloud-based VoIP phone system uh, that completely runs up into the cloud. There's only, in fact, no hardware is actually needed down at the client. Um, again, servers um, and, um, you know, basically, um, you know, like file sharing type applications. Again, all white labeled. They're able to be white labeled by uh, the partner um, so that, you know, they think it's coming from them. They don't know who the cloud provider is. They don't have to worry about, you know, if you go with Azure, you know, Azure's gonna wanna know who your customer is. And again, it doesn't matter to us. We're not going to contact your customer like an Azure uh, or, a, um, you know, a, a Rackspace might do. Um, and, you know, so we have a lot of different types of applications that um, partners can use. We also, again, do host um, the Microsoft Dynamics line of products as well as other uh, ERP products. We are, uh, we've been a Microsoft Dynamics um, partner for probably oh, 25 years, David, I think since a yep. long, since long time. Austin. So we're very familiar. Yeah, so we're very familiar with those applications as well. So we can also help you know, a CPA or a partner that is, you know, um, selling Dynamics or ha even has a customer that has Dynamics because sometimes those get um, placed in an MSP's lap, you know, somebody that's running that application, they don't know how to put it in the cloud, they don't know how to run it in the cloud and so forth. So, um, but again, all white labeled, so it's, it looks as if it's coming from them, we're not involved whatsoever from the standpoint of knowing who that customer is. Yeah, and at that point, level one support does directly go through the partner. Again, they don't lose that customer relationship. The customer calls them if they are having some kind of issue. And if the partner can't, again, log into the server's admin and take care of it directly, then they can call us on the back end and we can help them to resolve the issue. But the whole point of that yeah. is they keep the customer relationship, they keep the, the customer contact. And if they if there's a problem, the partner can call us and, and work with us but we don't we don't contact the customers unless they want to we great do, stuff. We do we, yeah we yeah. do have some firms that don't want to deal they don't want to deal with billing the client they don't want to deal with the support of the client and again this is more from a from a you know probably from a cpa standpoint um but we you know so we can handle all that we can handle the billing we can handle the you know the the you know first level support. support and so forth for that client. So we can basically do however the partner would like us to engage with them and or the customer if they, you know, they just want it up in the cloud, but they don't want to deal with, you know, the uh, the 24 hour a day support. And the, and, the, and the potential headaches that come with that too, right? So perfect. Guys, yeah. I know we just, I know, I know we just launched a new, brand new website at cloud services or MSPs or MSP, yes. either, one, either one of them will get there. Um, yep. Great new website. If you want to learn more about uh, what Jeannie and David have got going on at CPU and how your MSP business uh, can uh, partner with them. I know we're going to have the CPA one coming up shortly. We're going to start working on that soon. But, uh, you know, Jeannie, David, any, any closing remarks, anything that we haven't spoken about that you wanted to uh, pass along to folks today? Just make sure that they fully understand everything that you guys do. I can't think of anything. I think just summary is, again, if, if they have questions, the best thing to do is to just contact us and start the conversation and let us show them how we work and what we can do for them. Because I, I think it's hard to say in a short amount of time anyway, but that's the best thing to do in my opinion. 
And what's the best email, yeah. David, for them to reach you at? I know we got a new cloud services for MSPs uh, email. What is it? Info at cloud services for MSPs. Yes. Yep. I think and say I, we have sales too. Either one goes, we'll, we'll get through. So, but info is kind of the Perfect. generic one. Check out that uh, cloudservicesmfps.com website um, to learn more. Jeannie, I'm going to give the last word over to you. Um, I guess the last word would be that if anybody's looking for, you know, to put their, you know, their customers up in the cloud or looking for that type of support or even looking for help on how to talk to their clients about cloud because a lot of MSPs don't even know how to talk to their clients about cloud, which is perfectly fine. But as I always say, if you're not talking to your clients about the cloud, your client is talking to somebody else about the cloud. It is the big buzz thing right now. And so you at least want to have that knowledge and we can help from a, from a marketing standpoint as well to help them, you know, again, to educate their clients on why they would want to go to that partner to go into the cloud, which again, we can help from that standpoint as well. So, you know, call and ask questions and, you know, whatever we can do to help, we're here to help. So there you have it folks. There's Jeannie DeWitt and David Hood from uh, CPU. Cloud services for MSPs.com is their email or the website, email info at cloud service for MSPs.com. Send them over an email, reach out to them, uh, check, out, check their website out. And uh, there you have it. There's another edition of the MSP show here. Thanks uh, for tuning in. We'll be back uh, in the near future. We're going to have uh, uh, who do we got coming up? Carl Dixon, who sang for the Guess Who in a rock band called Coney Hatch, coming up in the next few weeks. Going to talk about his uh, traumatizing life story. Uh, Ten years ago, he was involved with a head-on collision in Australia, but he's back uh, singing and uh, playing some rock and roll music for Coney Hatch and the Guess Who. And we also have uh, Jim Thomas, a master sales negotiator, coming on uh, the next few weeks here. I'm going to give you some tips and tricks about negotiation in those tough sales situations. Jeannie, David, thanks again for joining us. Uh, hope you guys have a nice hot summer up there in Northwestern Ohio. And we'll be, uh, we'll be back uh, in a few weeks, folks, here with another episode of the uh, Managed Services or the MSP Show.